Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer, in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> hey everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of the Shannon Rollison podcast as I introduce the man himself, the star of the podcast, Mr. Shannon Rollison. Shannon, how are you going, mate? Yeah, really good, Robbie. Yourself? Mate, I'm very good. I'm, I'm excited to be kicking off a brand new podcast here with you, mate. And this one is going to be a little bit different for all the listeners out there. It's a bit different to the other swimming podcasts out there, of which I have two of them. So I'm not trying to downgrade the others. I'm, I'm just saying we're going for a, a different option here and a different take on things. And everyone knows you, Shannon, and, and is aware of you as being obviously a student of the sport and a brilliant mind in a lot of ways, a game changer when it comes to, you know, programming and reverse periodization. But equally, is important for me and, and for anyone who's been around you. I think you're one of the best storytellers that I know. Um, and I mean that in a good way, by the way. I don't mean you're just a good bullshit artist. <laughs> uh, right, and that's what this podcast is about for all the listeners out there. Each week, we're going to go through a topic of choice, um, either of my choice or, or Shannon's, or eventually, mate, we'll throw it out to the viewers and the listeners as well to to throw some topics at us. But Shannon, mate, you'll be giving us your opinions, uh, all things surrounding this topic. And and sharing some rarely heard before, you know, first-hand stories, you know, from someone who, who's been there and done it. Um, from the outside in, I know you're a bit uh, hesitant to get into it in terms of being the face of this podcast, mate, but when you really think about taking a trip down memory lane, are you excited to to sort of go back and revisit these stories? Yeah, Robbie, well, yeah, when you put the idea to me, I thought you would you know, just pulling my leg. <laughs> <laughs> I still might be. You don't know. <laughs> and then I was out on my bike the other day and I was, you know, I was thinking, do, you, do I really want to go down this sort of rabbit hole? And um, but then I was starting to think about different things and different people, different people I've coached and uh, and places I've coached. And probably, you know, there's probably a few things we can do. So looking forward to it. Mate, absolutely. Me me too. Yeah, no, I, I got up with a bit of a spring in my step today. Not that I don't love doing the other podcasts, but as I said, this is going to be uh, sort of a different format and a different take on things. And I always think changing things up is, is a good thing. This podcast really, in essence, is, is for all the coaches out there and for all the lovers of swimming and just sport in general, because we are going to cross over some other topics and, and get outside swimming at some point. Um, so if you're like me and you get nostalgic, and especially about the late 90s and early 2000s of our sport, in Australia, then you're going to absolutely love this podcast and our conversations, which brings me, mate, to today's episode, first episode today, which I'm excited about, 2004 Athens Olympics. It's hard to believe it was 17 years ago now. What first comes to your mind when I mention the 2004 Athens Olympics? 
Uh, first thing that comes to my mind would be obviously the, the success that uh, I had as a coach there, and uh, with you know the two swimmers that I coached on the, on that team. Uh, the second thing that comes to mind is of of the four Olympics I've been to, it's probably the one that I when I remember it, it I remember it in bits and pieces. Whereas uh, the other Olympics, I, you know, and I've said this to someone uh, before, like each Olympics I've I've gone to, they've got slower, if that makes sense. But the the first Olympics, it was just it was full on. Like, and I remember Alan Thompson, you know, uh, talking to me in two thousand and three, and we were getting we were in Germany and we were getting ready for the World Championships, and that was my f- first long course World Champs, um, and so it was going to be the biggest meet that I'd gone gone to. And he, and he talked to me about how much bigger the Olympics was than than a Worlds, and yeah, we're having a coffee and. And I appreciated the chat, but I thought, come on, Tom, you know, <laughs> all the same, really. It's everyone's at the same level, Worlds, Olympics. But he was absolutely right. You know, it's just a elevator ride from a World Champs to an Olympic Games. Now, mate, before we get to the games itself, I think it's important to get a glimpse into the lead up to it. And unlike this year in in twenty twenty one, back then trials uh, were you know in in March, late March. Um, and they were held this year in the Sydney uh, Olympic Park in 2004. Um, how far out had you been preparing your athletes from Chandler uh, to make this Olympic team? I know we've covered it on many other podcasts and you've, you've done interviews on other ones as well and sort of covered it, but I want to make sure we, we mention it here. You had obviously superstars including Jody Henry, Alice Mills. How far out had you targeted this trials and getting on this Australian team? Uh Basically, the day after um, the trials in 2000. So, uh, and as you mentioned, we've talked about it a little bit in the last podcast, but it was a four-year plan. Um, and uh, I've been sort of tossing through ideas and not having the courage to implement them uh, on a big scale. And um, the catalyst was the disappointment of not putting someone on a team in 2000. Um, and uh, that was the trigger for me. So um, off, off we went. Well, it's been spoken about quite a lot over the years, and as I said on many other podcasts that you've been on as a guest or, you know, on mine as well, around programming and your programming leading up to, to indeed, you know, those games and that trials. Um, you know, but w- was it on the radar back then in the lead up to trials? Were, were people asking you about reverse periodization? And Shannon, what are you doing, mate? How, have you got the girls going so fast? Or is that something that sort of that curiosity has grown over years following sort of the phenomenal results we saw in Athens? Yeah, so actually no one was really asking much at all. Um, probably, uh, yeah, Things went a bit quiet by 2003 because we, we'd had a really good meet at the Worlds in 2003. But the 2001, 2002 um, period, there was a lot of um, yeah negativity around it. And um, there was coaches um, at, at all different levels sort of saying it wouldn't last. You know, um, they, they, they started off by saying it's only good for one lap. Mm. Um and I can remember being at a swim meet in Queensland as probably the state championships and uh, they all turned at the 50 and 
and uh, you know, a coach one or two down from me was like, "Now we'll see where the real programs are." You know, that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and then you know, uh, Nicole Jeffrey was covering it quite a lot, um, and you know, we're up in the Courier Mail, uh, the Australian, and and Wayne Smith from the Courier Mail. So there's quite a bit of you know. Um, stories about the results and stuff like that in that period uh, and swimming was you know getting good coverage after you know after the Sydney Olympics and stuff so um and, and it was on you know channel nine at seven o'clock at night you know yeah, prime, prime time live so it was quite different um but uh you know th- there was a fair bit of negativity towards it um and uh, without going into it too depth too deeply but by 2003 people were starting to come around mm. um they weren't going to implement it but they sort of you know let's let's just have a look at this and then but 2004 came and uh and you know the relay one and 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 they didn't when i said in 2001 we're going to try and win the relay it was just laughter mm. the group of coaches that are you know, they, they basically the question was, oh, Shannon, how are you going to get yourself back on teams? Because I'd been on teams sort of in the 90s and then I was on like World Unis in 99. And then with Jody uh, Henry, we went to the Commonwealth Youth Games in 2000. So it was 2001 and, and a couple of the senior coaches said, oh, how are you going to get yourself back on, this, on the Australian team? And I said, oh, sprinters. Mm. And they started laughing. And, yeah. What, what ones? I said, oh, these ones. And, and they were like, <laughs> the laughter continued. And what event? I said, oh, I, I wasn't going to come out and say we're going to win the 100 free, but I, <laughs> I thought, you know, let's go for the relay. Yeah. And there was even more laughter, you know. Because, <laughs> and rightly so, you know, what was it, um, 1956. So, so there was yeah. no evidence, you know. No evidence for me to back up my, <laughs> you know, Australian record. It was, you know, it was, it was nothing. So. Yeah, it had been quite a while, hasn't it? We'll we'll cover that when we get to the four by one. I'm curious though. Did those coaches, once they come around, did any of them admit to uh, to maybe getting that one wrong, and maybe they should have just uh, waited it out and seen before <laughs> they opened their mouths? <laughs> no, no, no. But um, yeah, they're all good guys, and yeah. and you know, and, and we were. It, you know, it wasn't like they were trying to about you know beat me down or anything, but um, but but that was the sort of uh, you know a lot of a lot of people back then, a lot of coaches were looking for events where they could you know get themselves on teams and and their athletes on teams and and uh, you know sprinting is yeah you know, more people sprint than do distance. It's it's, it's a you know. It was a much harder way to, to get yourself on a team by mm. putting your hand up for a you know freestyle event, hundred free, you know, not taking anything away from distance, but um, yeah, there's just more people do the hundred free than the eight hundred free or the four hundred I am, you know. Well, it still is to today, isn't it? And I don't want to get too far into it, but obviously Australian age champs on the Gold Coast this year, I think we've seen one event, it might have been the two hundred fly, women's two hundred fly, that we almost just went to a straight final because they, they almost didn't have enough people to, to get it, you know, to, to cover too many heats. Um, so, and then you look at the 50 freestyle and you're sitting there all day watching, watching about, you know, 30 heats of that. So I mean, nothing much has changed. Now, 
obviously, you know, at trials, um, you know, there's a tremendous sort of international standard of competition, um, a great environment, especially in the women's sprint events. Obviously, Jody Henry, Libby Lenton at the time, Alice Mills, Sarah Ryan, Patricia Thomas. Um, you know, exciting when you're looking ahead, as as you said, you know, in terms of a relay, because you've got, you know, you know such um, speed machines within our own uh, Aussie team. But how good was it for you as a coach knowing that we had that sort of high caliber, you know, domestic competition pushing the girls? You were quite fortunate having Jody um, and, and Alice within your squad, even though I know at times they probably didn't really train the same way. So it's not as if it was head, head to head, like for like. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Obviously, there's high caliber. It's not as if uh, it was just domestic. I mean, when you're stepping up in a you know 100 meter freestyle Australian championship final, as they did in 2004 in Sydney, that's essentially, you know, that's a that's a world class final uh, in, in any country. Yeah, well, certainly back then for um, at that stage, it was by far like um, Alice, you know, at the end of that race, Alice finished third and was ranked fourth in the world. Um, and the only one in between them was Inga de Bruin. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, since we've had, you know, like the girls this year was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but back then that was unheard of, you know. I mean, Sarah Ryan was making Olympic finals. Patria's freestyle really came on in that last 12 months. Um, you know, earlier in her career she was just a flyer. Yeah. She was good at the 200 free. I think she was the fastest that year in 04, 157 girl. Um, but, uh, you know, up until that point, um, you know, it was it – was, well, you know, up until 2000, it was Sarah, and then it was Daylight. And then, you know, I think Susie was around. She was, I mean, yeah, Susie was around in that 100 free, a bit, but she never really competed at a, at an international level, even though she probably could have if she didn't have so many other events. But it was definitely pretty stacked um, uh, for the time. And, you know, Alice finished third uh, in 54 1. And uh, was, like I said, ranked fourth in the world. So, Mate, once those trials were over um, and, you know, both Jody and Alice are on the team, what lessons did you take away from the trials, you know, that you wanted to implement when you got back into training? What areas did you identify for improvement? Obviously, this is, as we said, you know, it's another four-year planning in the, you know, in the making. You've gotten to this point. They're on the team now. So it's, it's basically just fine-tuning. I'm assuming you don't want to go in and shift too much. But did you identify anything at trials that you went, right, if, if we get that fixed, we're really on the right track now? Yeah, so two things. Um, and one was uh, something that happened at the trials, um, and that was uh, Libby Linton or – yeah, Libby Lenton at the time. Yeah, yeah. Libby Trickett now for all the listeners, but yeah, it was Libby Lenton at the time. Uh, broke the world record in the first semi, mm. and uh, and we'd had a really good trials prep because everybody knew it was going to be tough in that event, and um, we'd uh, Jody you know, swum the two hundred, and we'd done a little bit of work for that, um, and. Uh, yeah, she swung that just in case she got third in the in the hundred free, and 
and um, she, she had that as an option at the games. Um, but so her training had been really good, and, and I actually thought, you know, I was definitely she hadn't broken um, fifty four at that stage, and either none, none of the girls had. Mm. Um, the world record was fifty three sixty six, I think. Yeah, I think and, it was in uh, the mids. Yeah, and uh, and I thought, well, you know, if she has a good race, she could be on for that. And um, anyway, so Libby breaks it in, in the first heat. Mm. And uh, Jody and Alice were in the second semi. And, you know, normal swim meet, they come out. But the whole meet stopped. And I'm up in the grandstand and uh, someone told me, and I, I probably timed it myself as well, it's about eight or nine minutes. The meet stopped between races for eight to nine minutes. Like that yeah. just shouldn't have happened. Yeah. But it just it just went burka with mm. Channel 9 and interviews and they interviewed Libby and they interviewed Stefan. And, and uh, anyway, so the girls, Jody and Alice come out and, and Jody goes 53-7, just misses the world record. And uh, um, no, that's right. Yeah, so 53-7, well, I think, was Jody equaled Inga's previous world record, but Libby had broken it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Alice went 54-1 and 1-8, uh, I think it might have been, um, and which was ended up a bogey time for me, I reckon, because I, I ended up <laughs> a whole pile of swimmers ended up swimming 54-1, one <laughs> <laughs> eight. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought the, the girls, both girls, handled it really, really well. And Jody had a drug test. And um, so I, I decided, I organised for um, my, everyone else to get back, but I waited, yeah. which, you know, I, probably only a handful of times, not even that, that I've done that. But that was certainly the first time I've ever waited for an athlete for a drug test. And it was probably the best thing I did at the meet because um, it was like 11 o'clock or something by the time she came out. And... Uh, we're out there where all those medallions are on the wall at the yep. entrance. And Jody was fuming, absolutely <laughs> spitting chicks. Um, and she wasn't like that, Jody, you know. And so to see her go off, um, I quickly thought, because <laughs> I wasn't happy about it, but I quickly thought I've got to take a different role here. And I yeah. calmed her down a bit. And I actually said to her, um, in, in the toing and froing, I said, you'll win tomorrow night. And she stopped dead. We're walking. She stopped dead. And she looked at me and she said, why? How do you know? <laughs> and, I, and I went through my reasons. And I said, uh, she's, you know, Libby's not on the team. You know, she's got to beat Alice tomorrow night. Like, and Alice just went 54-1, you know, like yeah, that's nothing yeah. to be sneezed at. And um, anyway, so then, then everything calmed down and, and we talked about how, at the Olympics, if that ever happened to you, this is what this is how we'll deal with that situation. Mm -hmm. And 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 basically, it was about not celebrating because it's all about winning. It's you know you go to the Olympics to win the gold medal. You don't go to the Olympics to break a world record. It's if that happens, it happens. But you know, I've always said you can break a world record any any time. You can't win an Olympic medal any time. So that was the first thing, and, and it was 
you know, probably the best thing I did at that meet. The second thing was um, came off the back of that meet and, you know, Jody won the final. Uh, Libby came second and 50, went 54-1 and Alice went 54-1-8 again. <laughs> and uh, so Libby virtually made the team in that race going as board record holder by 0.08. Yeah. And, um, but everyone said, oh, you've got to fix a start. You've got to fix a start. I thought, crikey, I've been trying to fix a start for seven years. <laughs> I'm not going to keep trying to fix a start. didn't even want to fix a start, you know. Um, and I just, I just went, no. Nah. She had the best back end in the world at, at the time, and I thought, I'm, that's a strength, and I'm just going to train that. And that's what I did for the next block of work. And that shifted significantly. She was 27-7, return 50. And there's only Inga, Jody, Alice and Libby. There's only the four of them that could get under 28 and uh, in the world. And, and uh, we shifted that in that 12-week period or, or whatever it was, 14-week period, um, to 27-2 back end. Mm. Oh, mate. Well, obviously, we, we can't mention the 2004 Olympic trials without touching on a, a massive moment, which still gets brought up to today. I'm sure both Ian Thorpe and Craig Stevens wish it wouldn't, but it still does. And and that's Ian's false start in the men's 400 free. Give us your memory of, of that false start. And what was the initial reaction? I'm curious of, of all the coaches, in particular, head coach Lee Nugent, because... You know, from the outside looking in, I guess, you know, in today's, you know, it's like, oh, well, he false started. But, I mean, at the time, this was this was massive because obviously coming off the heels of, of 2000, what a, a massive sort of, um, you know, star Ian is of the pool, not just here in Australia, but world swimming and what an asset he is to our team moving forward, you know, looking at those medals. And the 400 free was definitely, I mean, that's, that's just, a, that's looking at a gold medal when you're looking forward. And here yeah. is his false started. What was the uh, what was the reaction around pool deck? <laughs> so, if I remember correctly, that's the point of freeze lock on day one. Um, and yeah, it was it was funny. I mean, I, I don't know the ins and outs. And uh, you know, Tracy Menzies, who was coaching in um, for for those Olympics, would would know have many more stories than me, but. Um, if you remember 2001 at uh, the World Champs, Australia beat America for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, so that whole Olympiad each year, you know, you know, leading up to Athens was all, you know, about, well, yeah, we're going to, Australia's going to try and beat America at the Olympics. And um, I used to always, you know, we we're in meetings and stuff. And I, I would always say, well, you know, if, if, if you're serious about beating them, you, you need to have, you know, all your big stars have got to be in those races that they can win uh, for Australia to to have any chance. And with the cutthroat type trials that we have, you, you're leaving yourself exposed. Mm. You know, if someone got sick or they got injured in the two weeks out, or you know, have you got a clause where you've you know you can for those. Absolutely, yeah. The Grant Hackett, Ian Thorpe's, yeah, of, of the team. Ah, no, it hasn't happened. Hasn't happened before. Yeah, you know, blah blah blah. You know, for a couple of years that was going on, and I was always sort of throwing my two cents up. And um, because you know, from a selfish point of view, if if 
Jody, Alice, or Libby weren't for some reason couldn't go to the trials. That's it. That four by one was not going to win. Yeah, there's just no way. And um, so, yeah, that's where I was come from. But anyway, I remember we we're on pool deck and um, I think the women's hundred fly was on that day, and I was on pool deck and we we're in the that coach's box and Thorpey falls in and everyone turns around to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you jinxed it. You jinxed it. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, you know, I, I I just wasn't privy to what went on and that, but um, yeah, it was like wow, yeah, it was a massive moment. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Um, you know, if if there's a sound for it, it'd just be everybody gasping, like, oh, yeah. shit, like you know, what, what's going to happen here? And obviously, we we know what would happen following that with um, with Craig stepping down and giving you know that spot to Ian, and and what would happen after that, which was you know such a, a great sportsman um, thing to do from Craig. But uh, yeah, just that that moment for sure. I could just imagine, you know, Lee Nugent. He's that's that was his first time as head coach for Australian swimming, and. Yeah, here he is. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Here we go. Thorpe's not swimming the four hundred at Athens. Like, oh, what the hell, mate? The other thing uh, that I, I remember is uh, from this time was the full body suits they used to wear back in the day, and obviously Thorpe is, you know, renowned for it, the the big black suit. But Patria used to wear one as well. Yeah. What did you think of, of that full body suit? Was that ever on your radar for your athletes? Yeah. Well, it was all trial and error. Um, and uh, I'd forgotten, but I think I've mentioned this um, in a previous podcast. Jody and I catch up, and and um, we were, she was at the sprint camp. I think wasn't uh, in the lead up to this. Must have been two thousand twenty or two thousand nineteen. And she was just talking about um, how tight those suits were because um, you couldn't allow water. There was a grey one. The second version of the, the sort of shark fin suit that they had, the first one was a black one, and the second one was a grey one, but it was too loose, and then water would get in, and, and swimmers were nearly drowning. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember when that came out, which I can't remember the exact year, but again, the women's hundred fly, and and there was people that were barely finishing the race, mm. and. Um, and it was like pandemonium on pool deck. Everyone was like, abort, abort, it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> the suit's no good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a lot of that going on. And uh, and with those with those suits, you know, as I said, they were very tight. So if you were, um, if, if and like Joe couldn't touch a toes, so, um, you know, if, if, if you were already tight, they just made things tighter. So. Yeah. Um, so she, she, and she was saying at this time, she said it was so hard to do a, a, do a turn for her. Mm. And, um, but if you were the other way, if you were, had quite loose joints, uh, and, and that soft type, um, athlete, they, they, they tightened you up a bit. They gave you a bit of, a bit of what you needed. Um, and, uh, so there was, you know, we, we tried the, the, the long um, suit with Alice uh, and Jody, and both of them didn't like it. But, you know, um, I think Linda McKenzie uh, wore long arms in 08 uh, in that Olympics. But, yeah, Petria, there was a few other others that, that swam with long arms as well, yeah. So, um, and it was, it was definitely like that. It was, 
you know, really suited certain people. You had to find what suited you, you know, like um, it, was, it was a lot of trial and error. Yeah, it's funny for the swimmers today, isn't it? The young kids coming through to look back and see people wearing those because, you know, it's it's definitely not around anymore. But, um, mate, oh, mission successful so far, obviously. Um, you know, you've, you've got the girls on the team. They've made it. They're, they're on their way to Athens. You've had a good block of, tra- you know, you've got a good block, sorry, of training ahead of you. You mentioned just before you've identified certain things that you want to look at and obviously, um, you know, working on, on Jody's back end and you want to, you know, fine tune, you know, some areas of concern. Um, you know, do you miss that in terms of having trials in, in March and then having a bit of time to prepare? Obviously, as I said this year, and we know we've sort of followed a, a US sort of format in terms of having trials just before the games, about four or five weeks out before the games, um, which I guess has its own benefits because if you're in form, then it sort of just carries over. And, and we saw we had some great results in Tokyo. But there's also, you know, the argument to be made for for what it was like back then in terms of, you know, if you have a good, you know, trials in March, you can have another good block of training, as I said, fine tune those things and and be even better come games time, which as we'll go through later, we know that that's exactly what happened. So where do you sit on that? Are you kind of, you know, if it works, it works? Or did you prefer the way it was? Yeah, I prefer the way it was. Um, the I'm just a fan of, of of a good long prep. I remember Eddie Reese talking to Eddie. Um, he, he's he's the same. You know, he, he likes a, a, a long prep. I, I just think, um, yeah, and it's probably because I've just done it for so long. Um, I know what to do. I'm, it's familiar, um, and I'm always looking for. You know, you, you're at the meet and you look and the meet almost tells you where to go next. Yeah. And um, and that's sort of that's how I operate. I found like this time um, for Tokyo, I, I was just, you, you know, you're like, oh, we need to do this, this, this and this. But, we, you know, we haven't got long enough to do any of that. So we'll, we'll just have to do that next time maybe if, you know, just decides to keep swimming and yeah. Um, so I just found that the whole limbo, you know, sort of, and, and yeah, it was just a bit frustrating for me personally. Yeah, well, I guess horses for courses, and it, you know, as I said, it obviously worked brilliantly for some. You look at some of the the results that the Aussies had, but then you know we can also look at some. I'm not going to name names, but we can also look at some of the Aussies on the team that maybe didn't go on to to have the success they had at trials. Um, at the game so you know it works for some and it, and it might not work for others mate cast your mind back um to to obviously the lead up to athens uh what were some of your go-to sets for for your team in the lead up to athens as i said you got jody you got alice on the team now what were some of your go-to sets back then um so a bread and butter heart rate type set uh for both girls would be um you know 15 to 18 ones, um, and you know, the first two thirds of the set would be at a steady state heart rate, and then we'd descend mm-hmm. the last third. Um, and then Jody, as, as I've talked about, her 850s on two minutes set that she did. Um, and the other set that she did in that prep that we, we I hadn't used in any other prep was three 100s at uh so a3 and they would be on um 
145 or 150, something like that. Then two 100s on 130 at VO2 mm. and then two 50s. And then we'd swim off and then repeat it. And uh, she was swimming under the minute for the both 100s and then 28s for the 50s on 50. Wow. So it was a really solid 300 metres. Yeah. Um, and, and she just flew on that sort of set. Um, Alice was doing, um, you know, she had the IM. And I, I kept up some of the sets that she was really good at. And, and uh, Alice was just great at doing sets like long rest sets where you know, it might be 50s on a four minutes, uh, sorry, eight minutes or something. And we'd do four of them. And uh, she could just get herself ready. Um, and, you know, she, she was 24. She didn't make the team for the 53. Michelle Inglisman, you know, she was sort of um, the dark horse and came through and, and got the second place. So Jody and uh, Alice and Jody were third and fourth um, in the 53 at 24.9. But Alice in training would go 25.3, something like that, from a dive. Um, we do, uh, she would do a set, of, a medley set. And it'd be um, 100 and it, it was 20, 2150s. We'd do this on a Monday morning and it'd be like three free, one IM. Um, oh, sorry, four free, one IM, and then three free, two IM, uh, and, and virtually. So by the time you got down to it, it was one free and three IM. And yeah. the cycles on free, uh, on the IM were always on that sort of 230, 220 type area but the dis, the the freestyle we would descend so she'd start off on like 205 or two minutes or something like that and, and do one end up doing 150s on 150 um she's very good at that sort of stuff as well so she had she could do great short um short rest sort of work and and great uh yeah long so she was a fantastic trainer ellis um mm. great kicker um yeah, another good set that we would do, um, we got 30-50s band, two on, one off. Um, both girls would do that on a Friday morning. Um, band only. And uh, Joe um, sat just more buoyant in the water than Alice did. So um, Alice always was a little bit behind. Alice needed a pull boy uh, to sort of match Jody in, in, in pulling, but if it was just band only... I mean, Jody would be going like 29s and 30s band only, and that we would do those those 50s on a minute. Mm. Uh, I know, you, like I know you're pretty big on sort of pull work and stuff like that, and um, obviously we, we you know we've got many. You know, this is your own podcast now, mate, so we've got plenty of opportunity to to get through sets and programming and stuff like that. Um, and, I, and I think the listeners will be you know really fascinated by it. But I wanted to make sure we touched on a bit of that today, especially with the great results that you had, just to give them an insight into what sort of work you guys were doing. Now, there was a bit of worry around uh, the Greeks not having everything ready for the games in 2004. Um, you know, a bit of word going around, they were underprepared. Did that filter down to you guys? Was that ever an area of concern or was that someone else's job to worry about? Um, well, what we were told in all the lead up was just how hot it was going to be. Mm. So um, our gear was good. We had uh, Nike gear uh, that I kept from memory um, and it was really good gear and stuff, but it was all about the heat, you know. And, um, 
And no one really talked too much about the state of affairs uh, until we sort of got to Germany. <laughs> and we were, you know, our lead-up was always very good. It was the third year we were in Germany, and I thought that was a, a masterstroke um, in planning by Greg Hodge. Um, by that time, we, we, it was just so familiar. Um, but anyway, we get to Germany, and one of our coach meetings, we we get told we're not all going to be in the village. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, is this a normal thing? You know, this is my first Olympics and, you know, no, it's not normal. So anyway, so Lee Nugent made the decision that if you had a number one in the world, um, you you were in the village and if you didn't have a number one in the world, you were out. So uh, I was, and, and that, was, that was based on the final time. So... Um, I was in the village, and my my two roomies were Glenn Berengen, who was coaching Petria, and uh, Dennis Cottrell, who was mm. coaching Grant. And we were um, we had a room with with swimmers, so um, there was three of us in a small room in this pod, and there was probably I don't know maybe eight something like that. You know, three rooms of three might might have been nine. Um, I can't even remember. Pat, Pat Murphy, he was he was uh, rooming with us and stuff. So they were my two roomies. But um, I get to we get to the village, and all the other coaches had to stay outside, and yeah. they were in this tent. So we felt lucky, but um, you couldn't you weren't supposed to flush the toilet with your paper. You had to put your waste paper in a bin beside the toilet because wow. the, all the the piping was too narrow. They reckon. Um, and the other thing was half the village was finished and then the other half wasn't and we were in the other half that wasn't. So it was it was basically, think of a construction site with just mounds of dirt and stuff and steel rods coming out of, you know, you had to watch where you walk for these rods was for concrete and stuff were sticking up out of the ground. Mm. And then Laurie, for our team meetings, we were down the bottom, which you normally are in, in a village, and... and um, they, these were like two or three stories high. They, they weren't like the big towers that you, you had in, in um, Beijing or, or the London Olympics. But, yeah, they had to put down some grass carpet matting and because the floor was just dirt. Um, so that, you know, when we had our team meetings, we had somewhere to sit on mm. the swimmers and stuff like that. But, so it was... Yeah, you know, I, I can remember getting there and getting upstairs and going out onto the balcony, looking around and going, is this it? Yeah. Is this, is this, <laughs> this is what everyone's been going on about. <laughs> I could imagine. And I, I guess, you know, from a, an athlete's perspective and just from a, you know, talking from a coach's perspective, I guess it drives home that message of, um, you know, anything can happen, be prepared for, you know, don't expect everything just to go um you know tickety-boo and you know everything just flow and, and be easy as you said you're getting there and, and half the village isn't isn't done so if you're someone who's a creature of habit and they likes all their comfort and all that sort of stuff that can kind of get to you those sort of environments absolutely that is in my opinion the biggest difference between a world champs and olympics the the athletes who can go with the flow the athletes, those adaptability personnel, adaptable personalities. Um, and I've coached uh, quite a few people who have, you know, won individual medals 
at a Worlds and silver medals and then just haven't been able to replicate that performance at an Olympics. And when I went to the AIS and I did a lot of work with Ruth Anderson and we looked at those types um, uh, and trying to, to see the difference and, and were the, yeah, how could we change that? Um, how could we help those people in being more adaptable um, and uh, trying to, you know, in talent IDing, see if we could come up with, you know, those. So, so for instance, in my group of seven that I had, um, two were one way and five were the other. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and one of those two was Jody Henry. So uh, the other one was Fran Adcock. So. Yeah, it's definitely a massive uh, point you make there and something that can't be sort of undersold, especially as we talked about, you know, at those Olympics and just looking at 2021 in Tokyo, you know, with all the different protocols and things that were going on. Um, I yeah. can imagine, you know, if someone, if that can rattle a few cages, having to have things, you know, spit tubes and all that sort of stuff every day, uh, it, it could get to you. Um, well, you mentioned, obviously, your roomies there. And obviously, we know in terms of swimmers on this team, you know, some massive names in, from Australian swimming, you know, Ian Thorpe, Grant Hackett, Michael Clem, Gian Rooney, Liesl Jones, Patria Thomas. I could keep going because, you know, I was a fan of swimming at this time. So, yeah. you know, it, you know, it was just a who's who for me. What legends were on the coaching staff, mate? Who who could you who could you lean on? Was there anyone, this is your first games, was there anyone you went to um, for, for advice? And, yeah, what sort of uh, superstar coaches were on the, the Athens team? Uh, well, it was Dennis. Um, so, uh, and, and as I said, Dennis and Glenn, you know, they were both good guys to talk to. Um, I'd had a lot more to do with Dennis than Glenn at that stage, but I knew Glenn well enough to chat to him and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, Tomo, who'd been manager, he was, he was on the coaching staff. Um, uh, Ken Woods was. Uh, Stefan Widmar. Um, who else was on there? Um, Tracy. Uh, but that was her first Olympics. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was a good group of coaches, there's no doubt. Um, there's a good mix of you know, first timers like myself and and people who'd been there three or four times before. Bowley wasn't on it. Um, Scott Volkers. You know, he wasn't on it. Uh, he, he was off. He wasn't coaching on deck at that stage. Um, he, he'd gone into the head coach of the QAS role. So those two guys were probably guys I could have lean, leaned on because, you know, I'd spent a lot of time with them, mm. but they weren't there. Um, it's funny, you know, funny story. Um, the, uh, you know, I'd been on, you know, well, probably eight or nine teams by the time I got to, um, Athens. So, uh, from an experience, international experience, I, I was, you know, you know, seen enough of Commonwealth Games. I've been to two World Champs and uh, and various things. But um, my first Olympics. But what I was notoriously known for was getting the uniform wrong. <laughs> so, so like, like not on purpose either. Like, yeah, yeah. Swear, you know, people thought I was just trying to be different, but I, I wasn't. I, I just literally, when I get up in the morning, I don't, it just doesn't register with me to look at what you've got to wear. I just put clothes on. Mm. 
So Tomo came up with this brilliant idea to make me in charge of the uniform. So the, the athletes have their people that do that anyways, and then the coaches. So we would always have to be a little bit different to, to the athletes. So we have these two various clothing options, you know, maroon and grey, and then another one would have been green and gold. Anyway, so he said, and Lee Nugent thought it would be a good idea, so they made me. Um, and I think Willow um, was the team manager. Uh, and so anyway, they made me the in charge of the uni- uniform kit. So day one comes and we get up, day one of the Olympics, the women's four-by-one's on. We get dressed, go downstairs, we're walking across the, you know, the, the dirt and, and up and over the hills and all that, and uh, Glenn Berenger and, and uh, Dennis and I, and he goes, whoa, whoa, hang on a sec, let's just stop here. <laughs> he goes, what's wrong with this picture? And I look, and I've got the wrong kid on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we're halfway to the breakfast hall, you know, the dining hall. And he and both both guys say, no, don't worry about it, don't worry. I said, no, no, I cannot get this wrong. Tomo will kill me. Anyways, <laughs> I ran back. I got the right uniform on. I ran back to the dining hall. Hey, get on the bus. Um, get to the pool. Tomo comes up to me and goes, ah, it worked. Good to see. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell him right there and then, but later on that day I told him, he was like, you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So you're in charge of telling everyone what they're going to wear. You've made the decision and you still got it wrong anyway. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> that is brilliant. Now, mate, uh, in the pool in, in Athens, there, there was a lot of action. Um, I mean, if you're a swimming fan, um, this was almost the, the peak in terms of, you know, the names, the matchups, world records, etc. And I, I want to get your for, uh, your thoughts, sorry, on a, on a few stories that were around, the, some massive moments uh, of those games. We'll obviously get to, to your success and your swimmers um, as we get through the podcast, but, I, you know, we're there, so I want to pick your brain about it. Give me your uh, recollection of the, the race of the century, which is, for anyone who, who doesn't know, it's the men's 200-metre freestyle final. Um, you know, a race that had Ian Thorpe, Peter Van den Hugenband, Grant Hackett, a, a young 19-year-old kid called Michael Phelps. Uh, you know, it, it is still widely regarded as one of the greatest races. I think in Tokyo we probably had a few, you know, really high-caliber races that, you know, aimed up. But, you know, looking back, this was certainly one, as it says, you know, race of the century. What was your recollection of that one? Uh, not a lot. Um, the uh, I remember seeing... I didn't see the start of that race, um, but I, I remember, you know, Thorpey's reaction and, and um, I think I got there with, you know, at the 125-metre mark and had 75 to go. Um, and I always, yeah, as a coach, I always felt like if Peter went out fast enough, it'd be just too fast for, mm. um, for Ian. And then Michael was the, you know, he was probably the X factor. He was still on the rise. He was you know, signing up to anything and, and, and winning a medal in it. So he was the guy that could have sport the party. Um, but I was uh, warming up someone from my group. And, and so you're quite busy when you're at Olympics. At, you know, watching Tokyo, that was the most Olympics I'd seen since Sydney because the four, the four that I'd been to, like 
you're just always doing something. So yeah. sometimes you're in the grandstand, but and you want to be in the grandstand for those sorts of races. But um, yeah, you just got a job to do. So um, I, I was out the back in the, you know, warming people up or, or swimming down or talking to someone after their event. So it's just um, part of the deal. So, mm. um, but um, you know, the, the other, you know, the South Africans winning the, the men's four by one was a massive race. Um, you know, obviously us beating America in the, the women's four by one on on day day one was a massive race. Um, uh, I remember the women's two hundred free like. That was historically a slow race. I think it was one in one fifty-eight, and all eight girls were just eyeballing each other. They just went for three laps, just side by side, and then just all took off in the last fifty. Um, and for some reason, that was just what was going on in those big races uh, in, in the turn of free. Like the turn of free would be faster at a men Ostrom and things like that. Yeah. Mm. Well, mate, that young man I spoke about, Michael Phelps, he'd go on to win eight medals in Athens, which, as you said, it was almost like, uh, you know, 12 and under meet, really, isn't it? If he's in the race, he's probably going to win, which is crazy to think at at Olympic Games. There's a swimmer of that caliber that's just anything he's going in, it's almost expected he's going to win. Did you get a sense? Obviously, you mentioned it there. This is sort of him on the rise. I know he was in Sydney, but he was a 15-year-old kid, showed a lot of promise. Um, now all of a sudden, eight medals in. Did you get a sense watching him as an athlete through that week, or, or even maybe in in you know world champs before this? But did you get a sense like mate, I don't think we're ever going to see anything like this again? This is a special type of swimmer. Yeah, he um, those four years, like he was really on the climb. And uh, for me, yeah, the question is, you know, you see young people and can they keep going? You know, so um, so that was probably you know one of my, uh, my my coach hat on. But then the next few years, that was when he really took off. You know, like I remember Worlds in 07 in Melbourne, uh, he was just phenomenal. Like he was going fifteen underwater. You know, he was just doing stuff that people hadn't really seen before, and um, off the, off the third walls and stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, to to Michael and Bob's credit, yeah, the two of them were a great team and, you know, there would have been hard times along the way, but they both um, stuck it out and, you know, he was phenomenal all the way to 2016, wasn't he? Oh, 100%. Just, you know, as we said, that versatility, as you said, like, you know, he, he was nearly in any race he was going into and it was all varied. It's all different. Yeah. You know, we see him here in the turn of free, turn of fly, the IM. Um, as I said, it just sort of makes you look back at those 12 and under meets where there's that gun kid that, you know, like, oh, he's going to be a good swimmer. Look at him. He's winning everything. Well, this was an Olympic Games that this was happening. So I think that's why he's regarded as the GOAT and rightly so. Mate, another story. Remember the 100 fly where he – that was the most emotion I'd ever seen from Michael in in an individual race. Um, In 2009 when he won, you know, that famous finish. Mm. Um, and he, he went under the 50, I think, for the first time. And he didn't wear the super suit where um, his opposition did. Yeah, that, that, when you're seeing stuff like that, and it's how much he wants to win things. And uh, he was a great relay swimmer too. Like he could really pull out a, a relay split. So. 
Yeah, it's definitely something, um, you know, just looking at that. And obviously we look at, um, you know, Tokyo and all the relays and um, Caleb Dressel not being in all the relays and things like that. It just sort of shows uh, how important Michael Phelps was because, you know, although he was up there for his own performances, he, he was also, I'm not saying Caleb is not there for the team, by the way, all the listeners don't start hating on me here, but I'm just saying, you know, he, he was he was red hot and firing in any race that he was in, whether it's for his team or whether it's individual, you could tell that sort of commitment and, and level to win was was still the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and just, a, a, you know, he's coming from a different end uh, from where um, Dressel is. Dressel, he? yeah. That more sprint type. Um so you've got to you've got to factor in the, in the number of races and fatigue where you have got Michael who could get to a four hundred free four hundred am. So. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, apples and oranges. But yeah, it just shows that the importance of Michael Phelps for through those years of him swimming for Team USA. I think we saw that this year at the Olympics with him not being there and just having that you know versatility across the board because um, yeah. obviously Team USA did have. Um, still a lot of success in, in the men's relays. Um, before I get in trouble from uh, Team USA, I'll move on. Uh, mate, another story uh, that I'd love to get your take on is one of my all-time favourite swimmers. Uh, and, it, and it is, again, one of my favourite races to go back and watch. And again, you might have been warming somebody up, but no doubt you you know this story, so you'd have an opinion on it. Patria Thomas winning, uh, winning the, the women's 100-metre butterfly just ahead of Dutch legend Inga de Bruin. Phenomenal race. Is she not one of the toughest competitors you've ever seen in the pool? Yeah, Petria is. I mean, and, and the thing about Petria as well, like 96, 2000, so this was a third Olympics. Um, and, uh, you know, she was a great relay swimmer. Uh, I can remember Petria um, in 2002, which were at the Pan Packs, and um, – Libby wasn't on the team back then. Libby sort of came through 2003. Um, and I can remember actually Libby saying to me um, she was watching the Commonwealth Games and saw the girls win the relay at the Commonwealth Games and she said, I, I want to be part of that. Yeah. Um, so Petria and Sarah Ryan, Jody and Alice were at the Commonwealth Games and Pam Pax. And the, anyway, they beat America in the, um, in the relay for the – Four by, four by, uh, four by one. Can't, I can't remember actually. It was a four by one or the medley now. But anyway, I, I was on the phone, uh, and beside me. So this is going back, you know, mobiles and international calls and stuff. <laughs> so we were we we're in, yeah, you know, this telegraph telephone booth thing. And Patria, she just had tears in her eyes, and I think she'd run Julian Jones, and and she was uh, we we beat America. Yeah, you know? and. Um, um, and I can remember a, a story. Is a funny story for you. So um, it must have been the four by one because Alice and Jade were both in it. Anyway, and Sarah, I think Sarah Ryan was telling me how Patria and um, Sarah were, 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 were tearing up about the result. I remember America were just in shock, just absolute shell shock. It was the four by one because they beat us then in in uh, Barcelona, so it must have been the four by one free. Anyway, um, Sarah and Patria were telling me how they were trying to explain to Alice what they'd just 
ha had happened. You know, America had just been beaten for the first time in 20-odd years or so, and Alice goes, Alice's response was, yeah, we're from Chandler. We always win relays. I'm going to love the night. It's good to be naive sometimes. <laughs> you, <laughs> and she was she would have been like 16 or something, 15, something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's there's something in it, isn't there, when you're young and, you know, fearless and, and things like that just come to you. Um, and speaking yeah. of Alice, you, you've, you've taken me straight into it. Before we get to, you know, some of obviously the gold medal moments, mate, I, I want to mention um, that, you, you know, also had Alice Mills racing in the 200 IM, which, I, I you know, I think gets glossed over quite sometimes, obviously due to the sprint success um, yeah. that Alice had and obviously stuff, you know, that happened for you guys at Athens. Um, she'll go on to make the semi-final, missing the final, I think, by 0.3, if I'm not mistaken. How did you see Alice's performances here in that 200 IM? And just from a coach's perspective, was it difficult at all, you know, volume-wise, keeping her up for the 200 IM whilst also balancing that, you know, she's she's got to be quick, she's got to be fast for the, for the 100 as well in the relays, which we know, you know, she plays such a vital part, um, you know, in, in that one for Australia. Yeah, the um, so Alice, yeah, so I started coaching her at 11 and she's always versatile across the four strokes. Um, and her first national final, she came eighth, I think, at 13 or 14 in the 200 AM. And then the next year, she just sort of went, boof, bushka. And uh, she's a great power to weight ratio um, and uh, real fast, quite emotional, like, um, as you know, she would get more emotional than Jody would. And looking back, um, like she got second at the world champs in the, the 53 and the 200 IM. And, and at that stage, you know, we had a big hole in, in medley swimming. And um, Alice came out uh, and just made a massive drop at the world. She in 2003, she finished, she turned seventh at the end of the breaststroke. She was Butterflies, very good fly swimmer. She was a 58 girl in 2004. So, so like Alice finished fourth in the 100 fly at the, at the trials and was sixth fastest female in the world for the 100 fly. So um, and there, there's something I, I, you know, I get back to. Um, but um, so she was a great flyer. Um, the backstroke was, she was like 63 for the 100 back. Breaststroke was probably the worst stroke of the four, but she was like a 111 long course 100 breaststroker. Anyway, um, she always go out quite quick in the fly leg and then the middle leg, you know, she would uh, get through. Tur turns at the 150 and seventh, came home in 29. <laughs> well, like... I'm not sure there's 10 people in the world that have done that even now, you know, yeah. like even Alicia Coots used to come home in 30. Um, and uh, she came home in 29 and came second and went 212, broke the Commonwealth record, uh, broke, smashed the Australian record. Um, and uh, um, so, so there was always that balancing act. And after Athens, she didn't want to do the IM because she always sort of felt that it took away from her speed a bit. Mm. But looking back, I actually think the, the the versatility of the training actually helped her personality. Yeah. Um, 
it kept her from getting too focused on one thing. Um, just, you know, like sometimes, like how, you know, I always sort of use the analogy, how, how hard do you have to hold an egg? You know, like you don't have to keep trying to hold the egg. We're, yeah, some athletes they just try too hard and they end up breaking breaking it or you know, and swimming's that such a trade-off sport. Um, so it's just not about just trying harder. Um, you know, it's not like you're trying to do a squat or something like that or a bench press. Mm. So um, um, I think the other thing in, in the lead up, she, she she was training really well. And this is always hard when you've got you know, two, two or three people that are going into a major meet like that. Like we didn't, we, we, in 2002, 2003, we'd done a lot of racing um, and, uh, and I'd felt that that was, you know, the lead up for Athens, we, we were just trained and we, we didn't go overseas. A lot of people went overseas. Um, I think it was only my, my group and Bernie Mulroy's group that didn't go overseas. Um, and uh, we just went and did a camp up on the Sunshine Coast and it was a great camp. Sarah Ryan came up and spent part of that camp with us. But, you know, it's always, yeah, you can be wiser in hindsight. Maybe Alice should have gone and competed overseas in the lead-up. You know, maybe that would have been a, a better thing because she was quite nervous um, in Athens. Um, not not out of control or anything. She ended up making the um, four by two team. She went under the two minutes for the first time uh, and ended up in that final as well. They finished fourth. I think they got beaten by 0.05 for the bronze medal. Um, so, um, but uh, yeah, and and then off the back of Athens, um, you know, 2005, she was number one in the world for the 50 free and the 100 free. Um, so she, she's had a, a lot of abilities in a lot of different areas. So um, and great trainer, you know, all of that. Yeah, well, that's why I wanted to bring it up because obviously, I mean, if you were there, you knew and you, you saw Alice do the 200 AM, as you said, and still be pretty quick in the 200 free. But uh, when you look back from an outsider's perspective, you just think, oh, she was a quick 50 and 100 swimmer. But, yeah. you know, I just wanted to make sure we, we captured that because she was definitely more versatile and, and, and a brilliant swimmer all around. Uh, mate, let's get to, you know, one of those uh, career-defining moments for you as a coach. Uh, and I want to start with the 4 by one because it was obviously on, on day um, one, is it? The, the women's 4 yeah. four by one that was on day one. So. Mate, you mentioned it before you touched on it, but I just want to sort of delve a little bit deeper. How long in the planning had that gold medal been on your mind, especially, you know, wanting to have two of your own girls on that team? And, and what sort of planning went into to that? Yeah, well, well, basically I failed with that because I wanted the whole Chandler team to be the Australian team. <laughs> um, the most we got... I think one year we had three on the team, you know, with Cassie Hunt was on that team. But, um, yeah, so I had the two girls um, and, it, as you say, it was my plan for, for a long time. Um, and, you know, it was, it's interesting with relays. I, I've had five Olympic relay teams and um, the, uh, you know, um, Rowan asked me to, you know, any any advice for the coaches going to Tokyo? 
And my advice to them was, um, what is the goal of the team? And I learned this leading, you know, over time. And Athens being my first team, uh, Olympic team, um, and I, you know, I'd had that four by one since 2002. And you get coaches coming up and they, you know, that have, you know, their swimmer and, and say their swimmer with 55, six or something like that. And they say, oh, that, that'll be good for the team. And they're, what I worked out was they're trying to get their athlete on the team. My, my role as the relay coach was a result. Yeah. And, and for me, it was trying to get them to win. So 55-8, I'm, I'm like, well, if they're on the team, we're not going to win. Mm. So it was completely, it was, um, completely off the mark from where I was standing, you know. Um, so we get, we get into uh, Germany and we've got the, you know, we've got the five girls. So the fourth spot was always the one that was up for grabs. Um, and, uh, you know, on paper that was going to be between Patria and Sarah and Glenn Barringen coached both of them. And Lee knew we're in Germany and Lee said, oh, can I meet with you about the relay? And um, I said, yeah, yeah. So I go up to his room and we meet and uh, he's talking about the heats and he said, you know, the girls are going to have to swim themselves onto the team and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay, well, you know, Alice, Jody, and Libby haven't been to an Olympics before. So I think... You know, I don't want their, one of their, their swimmers' first swim to be in the final mm. on that first night. I think they need a, a hit out. Um, and, and he said, well, the, you know, you've got to go flat out and stuff. And I said, well, I could break the world record if you ask them to go flat out. If, if they've got to swim themselves on, they could break the world record, then there's going to be more pressure. And I'm always about deflecting pressure mm-hmm. so you know nicole jeffrey would be and wayne smith would be asking me about team and i was always pumping up america you know and and giving all the american stats which was far greater than ours and the fact that america had beaten the um the australia in in, in um, barcelona was probably a good thing looking back um so i didn't want them to go flat out in the heat and um and the other thing I said was, you know, you've got number one, two, and four in the world, and if the, you know, if the males, like if, if are we asking Thorpey to swim himself onto a relay team? You know, so I sort of used that, and, and Lee was really good, you know, and he thought about it. And, and that's the job of a relay coach. You've, you've got to present things that the head coach hasn't thought of, and that's your job. Yeah. You, you've got to try and look at every angle before you make that decision. And um, and Lee was great and he went, no, 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 yeah, absolutely. We don't want that extra pressure. Um, and so we went with uh, the three girls who were on the team and then we just had to decide between um, Sarah and Patria. Well, mate, give us your memories of that four by one freestyle final where we saw as obviously Alice Mills, Libby Lenton, Patria Thomas and Jody beat off the Americans and the Dutch win gold. 
um, broke a world record as well, as you said, uh, what they were capable of, and they certainly went on to do that. Uh, how pivotal was this result to the success? Do you think that we'd see, you know, um, you know, moving forward in in obviously two thousand and eight? But now, you know, we look at what you just said before about the trials this year, and and I think it was like something like four of the girls were under fifty three. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's crazy. But as you said before, before this moment. Um, we we did have some success. I'm not you know downplaying Sarah Ryan or, or what some of the other girls were doing, but this was this was groundbreaking. This was the first time you know the the Australian girls had won an Olympic gold in this relay and beaten the Americans in, in how many years did you say it was? Forty eight. Yeah, there you go. So that's I mean that's that's a long time between it's a long time between drinks. I mean Parramatta are whinging about waiting for the grand final. I mean this is a lot longer than that. So. <laughs> Yeah, 1986. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to add that one in there, mate. I know it's still fresh in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's phenomenal when you think about it. Like I said, I'm 50 and it was 48 years. But not only that, they didn't even win a medal. Like, they'd finish fifth or sixth or, you know, things like that. It wasn't like they were winning bronzes and silvers. So, And that's why, you know, we get back to the start when these coaches were, you know, having a bit of a laugh. And, mm. and rightly so. Um, but it was absolutely pivotal because, you know, we get back to the, you know, Alice and the story, you know, she said, oh, yeah, we're from Chandler, we always win relays. So oh, that was a, a massive part of the whole Chandler gig. And um, and we, we would go to short course and, and you know, sometimes go one, two. Uh, and, um, and then, you know, uh, Age nationals, fantastic for relays. And back then it was four by fifties. And the girls, you know, we had a real relay culture. Um, so it was quite natural for them. The other thing was um, Jode was going. So when Jody would train really well and she would get nervous. <laughs> and um, so this is the girl who, you know, four years earlier in 2000, when she made the final for the women's free, 100 free, didn't do a warm-up because she was convinced that she was sick and and I had to talk her into that she wasn't sick, she was just nervous, and that took 45 minutes. And by the time she had agreed to swim the final, there's no more time for warm-up. She had to go straight to match. So, you know, and we'd, we'd uh, been dealing with this, you know, with her uh, anxiety or, and, and um, pre-race stuff for a few years. And... But, you know, her preparation was phenomenal for Athens. And and I, I can actually remember, like, she was just stringing, you know, days and weeks together. And, and she just swam it. She hit the ball out of the park. Um, so it was like a Monday, Tuesday. And um, anyway, uh, I, I just had this inkling, this sick sense that something was going to give. Anyway, the next day, Jodie wasn't there, and I and I wasn't that surprised, you know. And then the second day, Jodie still wasn't there, and I went, "All right, something's up." So now, Jodie, you know, she wouldn't be the one, you know, that would ring you and say, you know, that I'm sick or I can't. It was just we just didn't have that relationship, and, and it was part of not putting pressure on her as well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I get home from work on this 
the second day that she hasn't turned up training. And um, I get a phone call from Janelle and she says, uh, Jode's, you know, is really stressed, um, basically because she's training so well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, doesn't want to she's flipping out, you know. And um, anyway, so we, we had a conversation. I had, I had a really good relationship with Gary and Janelle. Um, I coached Gary Masters from even before I coached Joe. And um, anyway, I, I couldn't come up with anything right there on the spot. But so I said to her, I said, look, just get her to the pool tomorrow morning. I don't, it doesn't matter what time. Like if she comes in at the end of training, in the middle, does, doesn't matter. Just get her to the pool. Anyway, yeah. and she said, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> but I've got about eight hours to work it out. <laughs> and I'm, I'm lying in bed and I just couldn't sleep. And and my wife, El, Elspeth, uh, she's like, ah, she cracked the shits because I was keeping her away. Mm. And um, anyway, and, uh, you know, long story short, I, I got her to, um, she, she arrived on pool deck, everyone was in the water, and I said to her, I said, Joe, what's your... What's your number one event uh, in Athens? And um, and she said, she looked at me like, rolled her eyes. And said, you idiot. I've only got one event. You know, it's 100 free. Mm. She goes, oh, the 100 free. And I said, no, 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 that's not your number one event. And I said, it's the relay on day one. That's number one event. That's the event uh, that you're, you know, you're number two in the world, one, two. There's only two nations that can win that race it's america or australia and i went through the 100 free and you know hannah maria sapala she was the world champion in 03 inga de bruin the olympic champion former world record holder libby lenton the world record holder natalie coglin mm -hmm. you know who was the second female ever to break 54 he's in the race the french girl um Amelia, she had a brother that swam. Um, uh, she was in the race, and she was always around. She'd get on podiums and stuff like that. So, but but there was basically four or five people that could win the the event. I said, so you're one of five, and this event there's only two that can win. So that's your number one. And then if you win that, the rest is cream. It's all icing on the cake. Um, you're only twenty. Blah 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 blah. And and uh, we had a great relationship, and, and that sort of conversation. That wasn't the first time we'd had that sort of conversation. Commonwealth Games, we'd had something like that as well. I, I knew how she responded. A lot of her nervousness was being myself as well. Like it was almost like very close in that that realm and I could predict what would make her nervous because it would be the things that would make me nervous. So, um, I, you know, looking back and I, I didn't really probably recognise it at the time because of my experience or just because I was that young. But as I look back, as I've coached more, that relationship that Jodie and I had was, yeah, I don't think I've had one like that, you know, mm. like I've had great relationships with lots of athletes I've coached, but we, we were just on another level. Um, 
which was, you know, definitely beneficial to, to us both. So um, the uh, so anyways, so it, it, she was like, bang. And, and that was the great thing about Joe. She could hold on to something like that um, and, and and run with it. And, and, and then the, we're back in the pool and off we went again. So winning that on that first night unlocked the key. And, um, and, and I know that I wasn't the only coach that felt that as well. You know, Stefan and, and Glenn uh, both felt that. Um, you know, Patria hadn't won a, a gold medal as, as yet. Um, and uh, that was sort of the monkey off her back as well. So, mm. so that event being on the first night, you know, it would have been a different Olympics, I think, if it had been on the last night, you know. And then Joe, um, you know, won the hundred free, broke the world record, and then that gave her the the swim in the medley relay as well. So, talk to me about just your, you know, standing there. I'm just curious because obviously this is a, a plan, you know, three or four years in the making. You're standing there watching this four by one freestyle unfold. So your your dream essentially, if we could take it back to 2021 in Tokyo, watching Dean Boxall jumping around, because we, we all understand why. This was this was, you know, four years in the in the planning and he's watching this unfold as he would have been foreseeing it three or four years earlier. I'm assuming the same thing has happened to you at this point. You're watching this race that you've been planning for and, and visualizing for quite some time as a coach. I'm curious if I was standing behind you, watching you at that moment. What what was it like for you? What were you? What were the emotions like? <laughs> There's actually footage. <laughs> that... I, I showed. Must have been a year ago, maybe. I showed some of the, the guys in my squad, Josh Simmet, and that were asking, you know, what was it like and stuff like that. Anyway, and I showed them the race, and then. They spotted me. I just, I was down on the, you know, basically, you know, this scenery that you've got, you know, it, it looks pretty much like what was, you know, the stadium. And we're at the, we're at the start, finish end of the stadium. And uh, um, I went, as the girls finished, I went down to the bottom of the stairs and you can see me on footage. All I did was just do a fist pump and that was it. <laughs> that was the complete opposite to Dean Boxall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and they funny. were they were giving me a bit of stick about being so sort of nonchalant. I wasn't nonchalant, but in inside I was just beaming. Mm. But um, yeah, it's just different character, you know. Um, and, and it was just the, the beginning of yeah eight days and and uh, yeah. Back to what I sort of talked about um, at the start about you know when uh, Jody had that drug test and you know, on the semi-finals, so we talked about that. So I, I sort of felt that I had to control my emotions if I expected my athletes to control yeah. theirs, and, um, and and Jody, you know, Jody was great at that. Mate, it's a good point you make, and and a, you know, obviously we we're going to get to now the the hundred meter freestyle gold medal for Jody, but um, it's one of those things as a coach, isn't it? I mean, there's many things that go into why we're passionate, and why we love it, and why we enjoy it, but you know, it is a special thing, and I mean, I can only talk from you know on a like a much smaller scale in terms of planning, and then seeing that that plan come through and and be successful with your athletes. 
But that's one of the reasons why I love it. When you when you can put together a plan, work hard, bust your ass, and then you see it through. It's yeah. something that people can't take away from you. It's a special moment, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny, uh, you know, you think about about those sorts of things like like when Jody broke the world record in the semi and we talked about how would we re- react if this ever happened, next minute it happens and it happens in the semi. And I was like, whoa, oh, my God, I've jinxed myself. <laughs> um, anyway, Clark Perry was fantastic. And I, I went straight to the end of the media where they come through the media and obviously she was had to do a fair bit of media. And uh, Clark Perry came up to me. He says, "Anything you want me to do?" And you know, and I said, "Yeah, get up to the team and tell we don't want to be celebrated." And um, um, anyway, and Joe came through, and I I went to say I lifted my finger. I went to say it's about you know, and she said exactly what I was going to say. She mm. said, "I know it's all about tomorrow night," you know. Um, which was just fantastic when you've got an athlete like that. And, and Jody, you know, Jody was one thing about, and, and I saw this years earlier, she was about the Olympics. You know, it, um, she held the Olympics way above a world champs. Um, and uh, the um, um, fast forward 10, you know, to t- 2013 and and this isn't taking anything away from um, Denmark and, and stuff like that, but uh, Rega Mola Patterson, the girl I coached uh, in Denmark, she breaks the world record in Barcelona in 2013 in the semi, and um, Brant Best was standing beside me when that happened. And I, I actually I was quite emotional then, um, and... Uh, and I think Brant was a bit surprised, you know. Mm. Um, and I'll go into that for another day. But by the time I got out to the the uh, you know the, the back pool, Denmark were just yeah. You know, the, the team wasn't a big team; it was like ten or twelve people. Everything was being said in Danish. All of a sudden, they all forgot English. And <laughs> it was a full-on like the celebration was just astronomical. The you fireworks know? were going yeah. off. First world record for Denmark in 60 years, and and I'd gone out there to try and you know, and and it was just it was gone, you yeah. know. And it it was only when I went to Denmark, and I quickly saw this even before we got to the world, you re- quickly realized. I think I was talking to Lee Nugent and and Lynn Fowley about this sort of stuff. You, all of a sudden you recognise how how good Australia is at so many different things that you just took for granted because you were just in the team and this is how the team operated. But when I went to Denmark, all of a sudden, like, I was like, wow, Australia just looked at so many, we were just good on so many levels. Yeah. And that's because of the success over the years and that, that has been built up, you know, and the smaller nations who don't have that success that, they have. They don't normally have to deal with it, so they don't sort of come across it, and they don't learn from it. So, vastly different. Vastly different. So. Yeah, it's a good point you make. It's something I guess 
uh, as Aussies, you know, sometimes we take for granted. I know I was talking to my swimmers about obviously the success we had in Tokyo and just letting them know that, you know, this doesn't happen every day. I mean, there's been Olympics. We've only had, you know, maybe eight or 10 medals or whatever it might be. We, there was, it's not very often every single final session we're having, you know, nearly a gold medal and, and a, you know, a breakout performance. So, you know, you're right. I think sometimes we're, we're very fortunate here in Australia. Um, you mentioned there, obviously, you know, the semifinals. Take us through in, in your own sort of experience now, in your own words. What was it like from the semis through to the final? Yeah, um, it was, the, the you know, the semi, like the heat, she was a bit scratchy, I thought. Um, 55, then, didn't she go? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she wasn't try and get flat out or anything yeah 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 yeah, she was a bit scratchy and and um and she said oh it didn't feel that good but this is getting back to this personality like so so with joe if i said and this is what i did say um oh look it's just a heat swim you'll be better tonight you'll be right tonight she'd be like oh yeah okay (laughs) sounds it um but, and I didn't know this at the time, and I, this is the sort of work that I did with Ruth Anderson. If I said that to, to Alice, which I would have, <laughs> um, she would panic. So the, what I should have said to Alice at that stage, that, you know, um, and this didn't happen to a couple of years later, um, oh, look, we'll change something in the warm-up, give us something tangible, Mm. And if you remember back, I had two, you know, out of the seven, I had two like Jaden five. So, you know, Tani White was in that five and that. So um, I would have to change something for them not to, for their anxiety not to go up. Like I didn't feel good in the, in, in the heat. Maybe the taper hasn't worked or, you know, that sort of thought. Um, so, um so yeah, so with Joe, she was fine. Okay, I'll be better tonight because Shannon said I'll be better tonight. Um, and so we get in that night anyway. Um, and I've told this story before. You know, you, you work out with your athlete what bus to get on, blah blah blah. And I've got a few Olympic bus stories I might add. Um, <laughs> I I'll bet. Say the, the, the others always seems like me and buses at Olympics, but um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I said, oh, yeah, get on the X bus. And um, I, I had to be in earlier. Um, and I think uh, I was warming up Gian Rooney. She was in my group and she had the, the backstroke. And um, uh, there's a good story with that, with the wind. We had to change the the flags because it was an outdoor pool. It was so windy. Mm. We had to change the number of strokes in and out of the walls, uh, finishes and turns because of the wind factor. But... Uh, Anyway, I was in on the pool deck warming her up and I'm looking at my watch and I'm thinking, she should have been here by now. <laughs> and I've got, ah, oh, he couldn't write about it, you know. She yeah. missed the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, and then I looked around and at Inga's, you know, uh, who was looking after it? Oh, um, would have been Jaco was looking after Inga Bruin and... Mm-hmm. I was looking at, uh, you know, the American coaches and, and Stefan uh, and uh, and I'm thinking. Then I, then I realised actually none of the girls in that 100 free, I can't see any of them. 
And so I thought, oh, I've got to calm down here and try and play it cool, practice a few stances. That's <laughs> 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 that these girls come running. Like, it's like a stampede. They're running. And um, she goes over, over, drops the gear off, gets unchanged and comes over and just starts going, the bus didn't turn up. And, th- and this is the thing in Athens, like things were half finished. You know, they probably, you know, had a smoke or something, the bus driver and, you know. And uh, anyway, um, we, we never – I always did the warm-ups and uh, and I remember saying to her in 02 or something, I said, do you want to, you know, do the warm No, no. I, she never wanted to think about that. Mm. So we never had a, a, a diligent warm-up. It, it just went on how she felt, which in this circumstance was – Ideal, yeah. Of course, you know she wasn't a stickler to doing you know five hundred of this and three hundred of that and two of them and one of them, yeah. So, so off jumped in the water. Obviously, I've had to quicken up this warm up. And um, anyway, she warmed up. Look, look, unbelievable. Looked really good. And uh, anyway, gets out. Off she goes. Um, Libby's in the first semi. And goes fifty five, I think. It's you know, and, and ranking wise, it was like, oh, she could miss this. And Jody later told me that she'd sort of seen it and thought, oh, geez, everyone that was on the bus isn't probably going to swim well, you know. Yeah. She dives in and and just breaks the world record. And um, and and you know, she said, oh, Shannon, what? It wasn't even hard, you know. Came home in twenty seven two. Came home in twenty seven two in the in the in the relay, she she was the first uh, woman to break fifty three uh, in in a relay, and, uh, and and so there was yeah, there was people were starting to talk about how much she was on song, and um, and I I kept a yeah she she went straight past um, Jenny Thompson who mm. who'd won like I don't know a dozen Olympic medals for America and. Um, was a, was sort of known as you know a great relay swimmer, and yeah. she went past her like she was standing still, and um, so so you know the the pressure was sort of starting to mount, and then she breaks the world record. Um, so I mean after she was really good, played it down like I said, but um, you know we, we had a chat about you know what did we come for? Yeah, it was the the gold medal in the relay. Everything else was going to be icing on the on on, on the mm. cake, you know, whatever happens after this, um, you know. And we had this saying for years, and the and the saying was, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And um, yeah, that helped me just as much as it helped Joe. Yeah. And, uh, um, but anyway, uh, so she came in the next night, and um, she warmed up. And she's told this story um, and she go. we do a 25 and she was like 0.1, might have been 0.15 slower. But she goes, oh, that was slower than last night. Anyway, and I, I still thought it looked quite good. The stroke rate was the same. Um, I always get rates, uh, stroke rates and stuff. And, you know, it could have been my timing, you know. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, and she tells a story, and it's some, you know, something. I, I, I'm glad I said this, you know. And uh, I said to her, 
Joe, you may not need to be as fast as last night. And and she just, you know, like the pressure was building and it uh, just released it. And and again, it's that that wasn't something new. You know, all all the things that I was able to say, and because I'd coached her for so long, and she was a great listener. And um, I wasn't aware of this when I first started coaching her, but but you know, you're coaching, and then she'd bring up stuff that I'd say like a year ago or or something, and I'd go, like, hmm, well, she was listening to me. I I didn't think she was. <laughs> um, but she had she could she'd retain things. So so you know, uh, and one of the things I always talked about was winning and not doing PBs. And if you looked at Jody's um, career, uh, you know, up until 2000, she only improved every second year. And, and mum and dad never came to me and was going, oh, yeah, 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 you know, she hasn't done a PB in six months. What's going on? You know, there was never, never any of that. Jody never went on about that. Mm. And um, so, and, and I did installed in Chandler about winning. I mean, you know, you win an Olympic gold medal. It's always an an Olympic gold medal. You know, it's, it's it doesn't matter what the time is. In yeah. fifty years' time, it's still that Olympic gold medal. Um, so the so again, all of those things that were laid down enabled her to hang on to those things when they came up in that spot. It was nothing was new. It was just reminding and and putting back in place sort of stuff. So anyway, she was good, um, she gets out of the pool and then um, comes over, talks, you know, and we went through our, our talk and it was nothing to do with the race. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I did think about, you know, should I talk tactically? Because I'd thought about the tactics that other people could could um, say, but I didn't. I decided, no, I'm not going to preempt what people could do. Um, and I just talked about, you know, that you know the marshalling area and then what – out on pool deck because she knew how to swim 100 free, but she'd never been in an Olympic final before, you know. And and an Olympic uh, relay final and an Olympic individual final are different. Yeah. Never think that they are the same. Um, and uh, so we talked about, and I just gave her things to do on the pool deck and to fill in time. Um, and uh, anyway, and then off she walked. And I was like, you know, it was my first Olympic final that I've talked to an athlete and I was like, wow, that was intense, mm-hmm. you know. And next minute I get a tap on the shoulder and I turn around and it's her. And she goes, this is it, isn't it? And I was like, whoa, I didn't see this coming, you know. Yeah. So um, anyway, I just reminded her, you know, we didn't go, I didn't go through the whole thing again. But just basically the only thing I re- repeated was Jade, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah, just mm. yeah. And she was she was fine, off she went. And um, but then I thought, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. The team was sitting and, and we talked about where the team, she had to wave to the team, she had to wave to her parents. But I couldn't be where, where the team was. The team was down sort of the 35 metre mark, and I had to get up. I had to see a face. I remember Gennady Turetsky. At the first world champs I went to in '97, he had these binoculars. <laughs> what do you got these binoculars for? <laughs> and he wanted to read their face, and so 
I thought I've got to get up there. I've got to see her on pool deck to see if she's all right. And um, so I, I was standing at the flags uh, in in the on, on you know there was a the grandstand, but you know the teams could sit on pool deck on this small grandstand. And anyway, um, John Kepi was beside me. He was there with Singapore, and John was Ken Woods' assistant coach. And uh, he was standing there beside me, and uh, and she came out, and she was smiling, and and I thought, oh, she's good, it's all good. Yeah. So, so yeah. But I tell you, like, um, yeah, the, that reaction after she, you know, when she won, and like my reaction, I, I was like, I reckon my heart must have stopped or something. Like for twenty five meters, I'm walking, and then all I could, you know, it was it was, it was really strange. It, it, Never happened to me before, you know, since. Mm. So. Do you think that's one of your proudest moments as a coach in your career? And, and obviously I, I equate it to um, just watching the Olympics this year. It's probably not until the national anthem's been sung and they're up on the podium that it really sinks in. Obviously you've got that moment when she touches and, you know, all those those goals that you guys have set together. You know, make no mistake, you, you know, you're a major part of, of that you know moving forward and obviously she's the athlete but it's it's a team it's a team you know effort for sure um you know what was that like for you as i said is this probably i don't want to put you on the spot and say is it your crowning you know your most proud moment as a coach but it's certainly got to be up there and what was that like when you see jodes up there with a with a gold medal and events australia fairs being played that's got to be a pretty special moment yeah no definitely um but, you know, the great thing about coaching and, and the sport of swimming is you can have many of those proud moments, you know. Mm. Um, you don't – yeah, you know, I, I can remember I had a boy who came to me, um, a family, uh, a coach, a brother and a sister, and the mum, you know, he couldn't do butterfly as a, as a like, third, you know, 12-year-old or something like that, and it – 15, he won the state championship. And, you know, his mother was standing beside me and she had tears in her eyes, you know. Mm. So that's the great thing about coaching. You can have those, you can have many wins, you know, and I'll never forget that. Um, but, yeah, obviously, um, Jody, you know, that that's, you know, that's, the pinnacle for my career as a coach, um, but also I, I'd never want to be defined only by that, you know, and, and that was something that was important to me and that's why I wanted to, you know, that Olympiad, we had great success as a club um, and that was that was important for me as well, you know. Um, I never wanted to be a coach that just had one athlete um, and... Uh, so, yeah, for me, um, that versatility is just as important as, as, you know, a gold medal. Dennis was fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, he was always had the, his, you know, we, we've got phones now, but he, he always had a, ca a camera, you yeah, know, and we didn't have phones on our cameras back then, uh, cameras on our phones. Uh, and uh, actually... I was only looking at uh, my, I was showing my daughter um, some of the Olympic photos and stuff and uh, when Tokyo was on and Dennis, 
has got a photo of me and I didn't even know he was taking it, you know, and Jody's in the background, the name, you know, and he's he's given me these photos later. He's got a couple of different, he's, he's phased me out and it focuses on her and then he's focuses on me and phased her out a bit, all this different stuff. And he, he captured the moment, which was fantastic because, you know, when when something like that happens, you sort of, I don't know, it's like you don't remember everything. It's yeah. it's all in bits and pieces. So for me to have that, you know, many thanks to him for doing that because, yeah, I was sort of a bit, oh, my God, what, what has happened, you know? So. Yeah, you're right. It's always one of those things, um, you know, if someone can capture it, you don't, you know, I know you're probably not someone who probably loves being on a camera or getting photos taken <laughs> of him, but as you said, it's a memory now you can look back. Um, looking back, and we've sort of touched on it already with the four by one, how pivotal do you think this time was for, for female sprinters in Australian swimming? We look now and, and the dominance that the girls have, and we saw the world record being broken in, in Tokyo. Um, we see that obviously, you know, Kate Campbell's at her fourth Olympics, but we've got these brilliant young swimmers still coming through like Amalia Callahan, who's 17 years old and she's, she's breaking down barriers as well. If we look back, and this is just, as I said, this is, um, you know, the, the perfect time for me as a, as a swimming uh, enthusiast. This was the time for me. This is where all the big names were. The sprinters, the female sprinters coming through, and, and you were a big part of that as well. How important do you think this era was for where we're at now in terms of setting it up and giving the younger girls something to aspire to, to go, well, hang on a second you know, she's winning gold medals and, and she's, you know, Jodie Henry's my favourite swimmer. I, I want to be like Jodie Henry. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's interesting, you know, like um, in lockdown, you know, when we came out of lockdown last year, you know, we had nine weeks out of the water here in Canberra and it's probably going to be that or more this time. Um, but uh, I do, you know, start off a bit easier, get a bit more time on your hands and, and uh, we'd do trivia. So I did, I do Olympic trivia, sporting trivia, uh, all sorts of different stuff, just a bit of swimming stuff generally because, you know, they're swimmers and, but what became evident was, you know, just, I'm just talking about my squad at the moment. Uh, they just thought we always won the relay. <laughs> they didn't think there was a time where you didn't. Yeah. So um, these young guys coming through, they're, they're, oh, well, they're a bit like Alice Mills. Aren't they? Oh, yeah. Well, we just, we're from Chandler. We just win. We're from Australia. We just win. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, you know, talking with Josh and Jess and, um, and Abby Webb and that, uh, I, I think Josh, you know, he was talking about Thorpe. He was such a massive thing for, for, for him, you know, like he was, I think he said he was the greatest athlete that ever lived and, and you know, he asked me and stuff. And, and we, you know, in the conversation we were talking about, um, you know, I just brought up, I, th I think then the, the next question was something about, I think he asked me, you know, what, you know, it was 2016, 2012, 2004. Uh what do you think was the best win? And, and I said, well, I think 2004 is the best win. He said, oh, you're just saying that because, yeah, you've got two athletes. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, I said, no, if I take, 
Well, I mean, not probably yet, and every coach would say that, but but I said if you look at it, I think it was the best win because it just hadn't been done. Mm. So, and then I told him, you know, it was 48 years, and I said, so you had to convince these people that it was possible, and you had no evidence that it was possible. Uh, so it's a bit like, you know, Roger Bannister and the four-minute mile. Eleven different men broke the four-minute mile after him, but I can't name one of them apart from Roger Bannister. Mm. And, and they didn't think it could be done until he did it. Um, and then there's, you know, there's other examples as well, but um, that's the one that comes to mind. So, so yeah, so, yeah, I think it's... It, those those athletes that were involved at that time, have, have, the legacy has been fantastic. I mean, two thousand and five at the World Champs, I think I think Australia won all the sprint right across. You know, fifty, you know, the fifties are in the world, so you know, it was just phenomenal what the girls did in two thousand and five. Mm. I don't want to get too far off topic, but how important do you think it is from the men's side in swimming right now in terms of sprinting and those relays? to start to stamp their dominance again and have a breakthrough moment to show what what's capable. I know we've obviously got Kyle Chalmers. I spoke to him the other night and and he he's hungry for the young boys to come through and really to really step up and, and match him. Like he he's he wants it. You can tell he's he's yeah. hungry for, even for his own probably selfishly for his own performances to push him as well. But he's he's waiting for it. We know there are some great swimmers coming through and yeah. I, and I don't want to downplay a bronze medal and things like that, but obviously we're seeing the dominance of our girls in the world at the moment. How important is it do you think for the boys? As you said before when you were sitting there going no we're going to win in 2004, we're going to win. How important is it, do you think, for the boys and the coaches to start planning for that into the future as well? Well, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah if you want to win relays, you've got to have long-term plans. Um, it's interesting, like, like the, the males on the team were so dominant in that 90s era to 2000. And then by 2004, you had an ageing male team um, who'd won plenty of medals in those, you know, 2001 to 2003, but they were just on the wrong side of the ledger by the time Athens came around. Um, and then we had a real lull off the back of that. You know, I can't remember the stat exactly in 2006, but I think, you know, maybe the one gold medal in 2006 Commonwealth Games. Mm. Um so we've had those ebbs and flows before, and I think Australia's always struggled to, to put the males and the females to, to hit that one meet together. Uh, and I've thought about it over the years and, and, you know, looked at the states and what do they do, um, and there's different variations of, of why and that, and, and I've, I've got some opinions, but... Um, I think one of the harder things on the male side is, um, you know, rarely do you get a, a 17, 18-year-old male who can match it with a 22-year-old, you know. So yeah, like Kyle age? did in 2016. Yeah. yeah. So I think for the, on that side you've got to be even more well-planned because, because the gaps can be longer uh, than the, on the female side. Um, so... So you want you don't want to be missing people, you know. You don't want someone coming through and then well, where'd Johnny go? 
Oh, yeah. he gave it away. Yeah, because he didn't improve for a year. <laughs> yeah. Something like that at 18 or 19, you know. Yeah, so for sure. The, the, the people in those managerial roles have got to really have their finger on the pulse, not just in their states but also across the nation. Mate, 100%. And as I said, I don't want to get bogged down on it. We've definitely got the talent there coming through. And you look at a young Matt Temple coming through and just another, you know, young superstar um, that's in Australia at the moment, Flynn Southam up in um, at Bond, who I think he went 48-0 the other day, short course, and broke, you know, Kyle Chalmers and Ian Thorpe previous to him's uh, Australian, you know, record, which there's some pretty big names to knock off. So, mate, there's no doubt the cattle's there. But as you said, I, th I think it's important that we are planning for that success into the future. Uh, mate, away from the tremendous success in the pool in Athens, do you have any stories that stand out outside of that? Did you bump into any basketball players in the in the food hall? Did you, you know, get uh, struck in awe of any of the, maybe the other coaches from other sports? Uh I've got a good one, Peter Brock. Peter Brock, what was he doing there? So he was like the the sport um, athlete. He was in that, in that role, you know, like they talked to the athletes. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think they had the V eights in uh, in Athens. I didn't. Yeah. I don't remember that one. <laughs> Susie O'Neill might have been that this this time round. Um, so, uh, and I, to be honest, I can't really think of anyone else who was in that role uh, at other Olympics, but um, Peter Brock was for Athens. So I, so the cover of my book, of my Athens book and, and uh, that sort of period of my 0304 and photos and stuff, I, there's a photo of me and Peter Brock on the front. <laughs> Mate, what a day that was. Yeah. <laughs> so I... Um, so I meet Peter Brock and I was just, uh, it was like Christmas. I'm an absolute car junkie, you know, like, um, you know, if you ask me, is there anything you want to be other than a swimming coach? I was like, yeah, racing car driver, mm. you know. <laughs> um, and uh, so I've always had cars in, in my life and stuff and uh, Brocky was a big part of that and Jim Richards and people like that in Australia. But um, so I meet Peter Brock. Anyway, I was in there. I was in like Flynn, you know. I was all yeah. trying not to be an idiot, and uh, got got a great photo with him and stuff, and and had a bit of a chat. But anyway, let him go on his way, you know? and and um, so this is a couple of days before the Olympics, and then the next morning, he's uh, I'm in breakfast hall, um, eating. I was basically on my own and stuff, and and here comes in comes Brocky, and. Uh, I say good day, you know, and uh, he goes get something to eat. Comes back over and says, "Oh, do you mind if I, I join you?" It was a bit like Greg Chapel. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I was talking about. And I was like, "Mate, <laughs> I could have stayed there the whole day," you know. So we were just talking cars and you know stuff that I'd had, and and I used to. Um, I had a, a '77 LX Tirana with a 400 Chev in it, and used to go to the drags and. We're just talking stuff, all the different stuff, cars he'd had and I'd had, and I was just asking him lots and lots of questions, and it was just fantastic. So, Did you fall into uh, a habit of thinking he was your best mate already and just calling him Brocky? Because I find that myself, like if I'm sitting there, I had Michael Klim the first time, and as I said, I was a, you know, I'm an enthusiast for swimming. So when Michael Klim was swimming, he was like one of my favourites. I'm sitting here having a chat to him. Oh, Klimmy, mate, uh, talk to me about 
that I'm thinking, why am I calling him that? I don't never met Michael Klim before. Did you fall into that trap and just start calling him by nicknames? I probably did say Brocky. I certainly didn't say Mr. Brock. <laughs> oh, it happens so easy, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was probably thinking, what do you do again? Oh, I'm a coach. Are you a bit young to be a coach? <laughs> <laughs> are you like the water boy or the orange boy? <laughs> Oh, mate. Now, obviously, um, you know, when you look back at Athens, it's it's got to rank up there in terms of your coaching career as, as one of the massive highlights for you. Yeah, no, without doubt. You know, it was, um, it, it was a, you know, I started in 93 at Chandler and um, at the end of 2004, I, I left Chandler and went to the AIS. And, uh, you know, so it was my third Olympic, three Olympic cycles, um, and, uh, you know, the great thing was that I'd coached both those girls since 97, and um, I remember John Carew saying to me that the best athletes you coach are the ones that you bring through, you know, and and he's, and he's right, you know, you, you get you get to mould them not just from a swimming point of view but also from a mental point of view. Mm. So, um, and that's been, you know, when I look back at, you know, Jody, uh, in that pressure that, you know, I've had since um, with, with other swimmers, but I coached her the longest in that pressure point. Whereas, um, you know, at other Olympics, I've coached people for like, you know, six years and stuff, but I, you know, or, or, or you know, Denmark was less, but um, it was just a, a special relationship, and and um, the it was just rock solid. You know, like we, we all the ups and downs that happened before it. So um, it, it was it was special on many levels, not just on on the result. Many great takeaways already from this episode, but one I think a lot of people should be writing down is that last one you said, which is some of the greatest athletes you'll ever coach are the ones you bring through and, and get to work with. And I, I can't agree with that anymore. But I've got to ask you, we're coming to the end now. How much fun was it to take a trip down memory lane and actually uh, look back at this? Yeah, no, it's good. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny with time, you, you, you become more appreciated of that moment. You know, I'm probably more appreciative of it now than I was in five or six, you know, 2005, 2006, you know. Um, so it's good, you know, and, uh, and you know, for every everyone that's had that success or for everyone that wants that success, you know, all I could say is it's not the, the be-all and end-all, um, but it's certainly, you know, uh, something that's well worth trying to attain to. Um, but you, you can, as long as, yeah, I think you keep everything in perspective and and uh, you you realise that you, you can have a lot of success in coaching, not just, it's just not whether you have an Olympic gold medalist or not, if that makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly something I feel really privileged to have done, but... Um, being a good coach is, is there's many levels to, to that. 
Well, mate, how excited are you for, for the Shannon Rollison podcast moving forward? As I said, you, you would have enjoyed this today. Are you looking forward to going through some other topics? Are you are you getting more and more excited about it? So for all the listeners out there, I want to give them a little bit of sneak peek just into the background of it. So Shannon is is more than excited to sit down and have a chat with me each week, but I think he's been a little bit reluctant to be the, the star of the show. And I keep reiterating to him that these stories that he tells are very unique uh, and the way you tell them made are very unique. There's not a lot of people out there that can tell a story and articulate it the way you do and, and sort of capture people's attention. Are you excited now? Are you starting to get the bug of it and this sitting down and going? Because this, as I said, this is very unique what we're doing. There's not a lot of people out there that are, uh, you know, sort of going back into history and, and having a look at things uh, individually. Obviously, we cover these topics in a, in a long form sort of, you know, Shannon Rollison podcast in terms of, you know, when people have you on as a guest and, and obviously they're going to cover these topics, but, you know, we're going to go back and, and look at, you know, some unique times in your own career. And also for all the listeners out there, we're going to get some special guests on as well. Are you starting to get excited, mate? Ah, uh, well, you know, you haven't caught me into this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just quite happy to answer questions, you know, but uh, yeah, look, uh, I think I've given it a bit of thought since you, you, you know, prompted me um, and uh, there's a few people that I'm going to try and ask and see if we can get on, coaches and uh, and, and swimmers. So, yeah, and, and, mate, I think at the end of the day, you know, the questions are just as important, you know, so um, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> oh, mate, listen, I, I'm just the guy in the background. That's all I am. I'm, I'm just the guy, I'm just the guy in the background. Uh, so for all the listeners out there, yeah, listen, obviously this is going to be a weekly thing and we're definitely going to be able to come up with some, you know, really exciting topics. And as I said, some special guests as well. And, and I'm really excited for it, mate, as I said, because um, not that I'm not loving off the block swimming podcast or the OTB crew podcast, which we have, but this is just, you know, very different and unique. And for me, as I said, I'm, I'm a swimming nut and especially from that, you know, 98 through to, you know, that 2008 period. So this is uh, super exciting for me to be able to go back and, and get, you know, your insights as someone who was there. Uh, next week, we are talking about the woman who stole the show on this week's podcast. And that is Miss Jodie Henry. So I cannot wait to discuss that with you, um, you know, obviously one of the fastest women in the world at a time, one of the fastest back-end swimmers uh, you'll ever see. And, and Shannon will give us his story behind Jody's rise. And I guess we touched on it a little bit today, mate, but I, I could tell when you were giving some of those stories away, there's so many, you know, layers to to that success that you had that you were like, oh, I'll tell that story another time because we could be here for another two hours. So it turns out we are going to cover Jody Henry's, uh, you know, tremendous success in the pool and, and your work with her, helping guide her, you know, to to obviously the, the pinnacle. Are you excited for that one too? Yeah, it's it'll uh, between now and then I'll, I'll – yeah, there's a few things that I have we haven't talked about, so um, I'll uh, I'll jog the memory. So it, it wasn't all smooth sailing. <laughs> oh, there you go. There's the spoiler. Look at him. He's already into the podcasting. He's dropping little spoilers. Uh, so cannot wait for you guys to to join us again next week. And until then, I'm Robbie Cox. He is the star of this podcast, Mr. Shannon Rollison, and we'll see you all next week on the Shannon Rollison podcast. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, Robbie.